This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm sick of talking about those embarrassing eagles. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. A team that showed zero heart down the stretch and a team that quit. So let's put the eagles on the back burner for about 20 minutes. Hugh Douglas, former Philadelphia Eagle. He's going to join us 20 minutes from right now, right here on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. But let's talk about some champions. And then also let's talk about a team that even though they could have tapped out, they did not quit. That's the Michigan Wolverines. They're the champions. And then a team that used to be champions, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they have not won a playoff game since the 2016 season. Uh, They were a team that lost TJ Watt. They didn't have him for the playoff game. Uh, right, They're playing Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And even when they were down multiple scores up against the Buffalo Bills, they still found a way to get back into the game before Buffalo and Josh Allen uh, ended up being the superior team yesterday afternoon in uh, snowy, frigid Buffalo. Let's start, though, uh, with Michigan and with Jim Harbaugh. So this idea that Jim Harbaugh is coming back to return to Michigan, I think it's unlikely Because the reason why I'll keep on saying that it's unlikely is this offer now has been out on the table for a while. And I know there's been different reports. Like one was uh, 10 years, $125 million. And Dan Wetzel comes out with the article today that the contract would be six years, $11.5 million guaranteed per year, which would make him the highest paid coach in football. But there has been an offer to some capacity that has been there for the taking And Harbaugh hasn't accepted it. Now, we know the last two years, and thankfully he didn't get offered an NFL job, that Jim Harbaugh, if he would have been offered by Kwesi Adolfa Mensa the Vikings job, he would have taken it. He was in that interview for 12 hours or so. And then last offseason, whether the Broncos or the Panthers didn't want him for whatever the reasons were, he wasn't offered a job. Now, it was good for Michigan that he came back. It was good for Harbaugh that he came back because it was a last dance sort of feel with the Michigan Wolverines, and they ended up, even with all the, the sanctions and the scandals that uh, happened or are pending, you know, once everyone found out about Connor Stallions and the sign stealing, well, they put the ball down. Everything was even. Michigan said, we'll run right through Penn State, no problem. All right, you factor and sandwich in Maryland in between. You want to take the coach away up against Ohio State, it doesn't matter. Kyle McCord will end up throwing an interception. You want to go up against the greatest college football coach of all time and Nick Saban while the trend in Alabama was hot 
and you could roll tide. Doesn't matter. They'll beat them in overtime after they made a bunch of mistakes. And then up, it's Big Bad Washington coming to town, uh, to H-Town for the national championship game. Michael Penix Jr. is the greatest thing on earth. Kalen DeBoer, who is a friend of the show, sensational coach. Up, people are saying Washington's going to win. Washington's going to win, and Michigan took it to them. And Michigan made them not even, you know, they didn't have to break a sweat in the fourth quarter where they set the tone with two big runs early on by Donovan Edwards, both that resulted in touchdowns. So Harbaugh has done everything he could and then some at Michigan. Like, remember three years ago, no one thought Harbaugh was going to look back at his tenure at Michigan and it was going to be favorable or it was going to be positive. Like, yeah, he got the program back to respectability, but ultimately, when you can't win a Big Ten championship, when you can't beat Ohio State, you're not going to be overly lauded for those efforts of just making Michigan a 9 or 10 win team each and every year and you lose to Ohio State, heck. <laughs> That's basically what Penn State has uh, turned out to be. But I don't need to, to trash Penn State today. I do that enough uh, in 364 other days out of the year. So Harbaugh took it to a level that no one saw was coming outside of J.J. McCarthy. We know the one thing that's still burning in his tummy. And you have to look at it from a human standpoint, too. You finally got your championship. You got your championship at your alma mater. But before that, as great of a coach as you've been, and I love Harbaugh, absolutely adore Harbaugh, when you lose a Super Bowl to your brother, not just lose a Super Bowl, but lose a Super Bowl to your brother where you were down and out to start, you make this great comeback, and then your team stalled with uh, 10 yards to go in the red zone. That's got to motivate you every day. That's got to eat at you every day. Because sometimes you could compartmentalize a loss and you could store it away when the person you lost to is your brother and how much you see your brother and how tight of a family are every time you see your brother. Jim Harbaugh's got to be thinking, man, I lost to that mother bleeper in a Super Bowl. You just have to, naturally. It's like when, for example, you break up with someone. And then you keep on seeing that person on social media. It's like a constant reminder of what you had. But you could ultimately unfollow someone on social media. Or as the kids do now, mute someone on social media. But when this is your blood, when this is your family, this is your brother who you love, you see him all the time. The only way to have that feeling go away to some point is to go win it all. And Harbaugh, talking about Jim, has accomplished everything at Michigan. Now it's time to go chase that Lombardi trophy. And you win a national championship and a Lombardi trophy, you go down as one of the greatest coaches ever. And that's not hyperbole. That puts you in an elite fraternity. And I understand you won't ever be considered as the greatest pro football coach of all time, but I'm just talking about football coaches because he's everything he's done in college has been winning. And in the pros, even though he didn't win a Super Bowl, and I know that's what you play for, he did go to three NFC title games and a Super Bowl in four years as the coach of the Niners. You land in Los Angeles with the Chargers, or you land in Philadelphia, or you land in, in Dallas, wherever it is, and you win it all. Man, that makes one unique resume for maybe the most unique coach I've ever encountered. Because Harbaugh, you could never predict him. Harbaugh is a good dude, but he's a strange dude. 
And I don't know where he's going to land. Like, the Chargers makes a ton of sense. He's already interviewed them, you know, interviewed with them. But it seems like too obvious. But sometimes when you always have a person that goes the other way, when you expect him to go one way, you know, maybe with everyone saying he'll go to the Chargers, that's one of the rare times where I actually do what everyone's expecting him. But this one stipulation in the contract, I know people are making a big deal out of this. Like, oh, it's a guilty conscience. Oh, Harbaugh knows that there's big things around the corner. I'm like, no crap. Before the season, even before we found out about Connor Stallions and the whole sign-stealing scandal, which was one of the, the, like, the biggest overblown controversies I could ever remember, there was already a pending punishment that you knew was brewing when they self-imposed a three-game suspension on Harbaugh because of the cheeseburgers and uh, the recruiting infractions and coaches with impermissible contact when you had COVID. And if you remember, they were supposed to, the, the NCAA Committee of Infractions at Harbaugh, they were going to agree to a three-game suspension. But they wanted Harbaugh to genuflect to the NCAA and say that he lied to NCAA investigators. Like I don't even think the NCAA is even that annoyed with the infractions. It's more so them being petty because Harbaugh lied about it or allegedly lied about it. So just based off that, if he was going to agree and bow down, he would have got three games. Since he didn't bow down and they self-imposed three games, I don't think this is just going to be a four-game suspension, you know, one extra game. So he's probably going to get two more games, you know, just based off that. And now you have the Stallion scandal where the Big Ten already popped him with the three-game suspension against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Meant nothing because the Michigan Wolverines were just the best team in college football this year, and they won all three of those games. And even though... Right, the NCAA comes out the other day, and they're like, nope, this is a legitimate championship. There's no asterisk on it. You know, everything was even, and look what Michigan did, blah, 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 blah. The committee of infractions is still going to go after Harbaugh. And I don't even know how you could speculate or what you're going to speculate the number's going to be with this overblown scandal from what happened with the whole sign-stealing investigation. So I don't fault Jim Harbaugh whatsoever. Like, it doesn't take a dummy. Don't give Michigan an out. And if Michigan is having this prevent why the extension isn't getting done with this immunity termination that Harbaugh wants or any findings from multiple current NCAA investigations, if that's what you let get in the way from this deal getting done, then you're a bunch of morons. And you deserve to lose Jim Harbaugh. Because whether it's the cheeseburgers or the impermissible uh, contact or whether it's the sign stealings, who cares even if he misses the entirety of next year? Your reaction shouldn't be to fire this guy or have it out to get rid of this guy. You already know what's pending. Now, something else pops up that's out of your control, so be it. But this dude is one of you. This dude is, is an alum of your university. This is his alma mater. And as a coach, he just came back, restored the program, and then some, and just won your national championship. Who gives a rat's ass if he bought some kid a cheeseburger? Who gives a rat's ass if he knew what Connor Stallions was doing or not? Because when everything was even, you put the ball down. Blake Corum ran it right down your throat. Donovan Edwards did too. Mikey Sanders still was great on the defensive side of the ball. Will Johnson uh, picked off Michael Pettix. You're like, who cares? You won. So who cares what he did in the past or may have done in the past? But this stuff could come out and it could get leaked out. 
I still have a tough time envisioning Harbaugh back there next year. Because once again, I think Harbaugh wants to go back to the NFL and chase that dream of winning the Lombardi Trophy. And even to some extent, Harbaugh probably even doubted that he was going to get a national championship at Michigan because right after he beat Ohio State once and won the Big Ten, he was right in an interview room practically begging for the Vikings job. Now he came back, beat Ohio State again, won another uh, won another Big Ten championship, then tried to get another job last hiring cycle after saying he wouldn't, and the Viking thing wouldn't have been a, a yearly occurrence, and here we are once again it being another yearly occurrence, but now you beat Ohio State for three times in a row. You've won three straight Big Ten championships, and oh yeah, by the way, you won a national championship. So I think pretty much mission is accomplished for Jim Harbaugh. And just as long as he gets offered a, a job this hiring cycle with a bunch of jobs available, um, I think he's as good as gone for Michigan. The only way he lands back at Michigan if someone doesn't offer him a job. In the last two years, we haven't seen someone offer him a job in the NFL. Is that going to be three years in a row? I would highly doubt it. So I don't really care about this contract and all the details from Dan Wetzel and stuff like that or uh, these other guys like John U. Bacon and, and things along those lines. It doesn't matter to me. It's clear Harbaugh, his preference for next year is to be in the NFL no matter how he spins it with how it plays out. So let's get to the aftermath of the Steelers and Bills game yesterday because I have a thought on this. And there's a, a new report that's out there. I, this is a little tough to hear because he's just walking away in silence, but this is how it went down between the media and Mike Tomlin when they asked about his future after the Steelers season did come to a close in the wild card round where they lost to the Bills in Orchard Park. Anyone? Mike, you have a year left on your contract. So there you go. And that silence is him rolling his eyes and walking off to the podium. I go back to when uh, Mike Tomlin had a report come out where the report was Mike USC is going to show interest, something along the lines of Mike Tomlin. And Mike Tomlin was asked about it, and he went on this rant. He's like, do you think Belichick has to deal with this stuff? Do you think Andy Reid has to deal with this stuff? And he got annoyed. I think at that moment, Mike Tomlin said, well, if people don't believe me then, they'll never believe me whenever it comes to my future. So anytime I'm going to be asked about my future – I'm just not going to give an answer, and I'm going to end the press conference. I read absolutely zero into that response. I know there's a year left on the contract. I know there's been speculation on the future of Mike Tomlin, but I would be shocked, absolutely shocked, if Mike Tomlin is not back next season coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Mike Garofolo actually just tweeted out, in a team meeting today, Mike Tomlin told Steelers players the speculation about him stepping away is unfounded, and he plans on coaching the team in 2024. So if you believe him, there you go. That should be enough. If you still think Tomlin's walking away, then there's nothing I'm going to be able to say that will change your line of thinking. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll take a timeout. We will get into the demise of the Eagles next with Philadelphia Eagles legend Hugh Douglas will join us after these short messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The Eagles go from being 10-1 and one to finishing 1-6 down the stretch. And as we enter the second round of the playoffs, the Eagles are no longer participating in the postseason after getting stomped out last night and embarrassed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's welcome in a Philadelphia Eagles legend, and that is Hugh Douglas, who now does a great job hosting middays on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hugh, first off, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing this on a busy day. What's shaking? How are you? You know, Zach, you hurt me when you when you said demise, but then when you hit me with stumped out, that that hurt even worse than demise. <laughs> yeah. Well, that the Buccaneers bus last night. They saw the Eagles uh-huh. lying down and they drove right over them and then backed it up. Uh, that was that was putrid, and that's my biggest problem with this Eagles team, Hugh. They showed no heart. They showed no fight. And I know it's very easy to throw out this term, but it just felt like they quit. Oh, Zach, when you hit me with those words, man, it just, as a former Philadelphia, it hurts so bad to hear you say it, but I, I have no argument for it, man. You know, I talked to a lot of my old teammates, man, and, and uh, my phone was ringing off the hook last night with guys asking me because they know I'm here, what's going on with this football team? And I had no answers for them. So to hear you say it and, and just put it in reality, man, it, it just hurts so bad, but, but I can't argue with that. There's a lot of reasons why you go from 10 and one to finishing the season one and six. What's the one thing you being someone that played with so much passion and energy and toughness that when you look at both sides of the ball, what's the one thing in particular that still just makes you mad with what transpired with this team down the stretch? Well, it's, it's was something underlying that was going on with this squad that, that was never hashed out. And I said that weeks ago, there's something going on with this squad that nobody's really talking about. Everybody's kind of talking over. You could even hear it in the messaging that the players had because nobody was on the same page. The one thing that you know when a team is in lockstep with one another, from the head coach down to the players, everybody has kind of the same messaging. You've heard it, Zach. When guys, a coach will say one thing in a meeting, and if you go ask the players the same day, they will use some of the same words that the coaches use. It's called rowing in the same direction. And this team, for whatever reason, six weeks ago, they weren't rowing in the same direction. And they they had these escape room events and all this other stuff trying to get it right, and it never got right. Is it just as simple? And, you know, Sirianni, the last two years, has done a really good job. This year, he lost control of his locker room. Is it as simple as just to say, okay, this team lost 
Shane Steichen. I know that fans are really tough on Jonathan Gannon, but they've lost both of their coordinators. Is that what it just simply boils down to, that this team couldn't survive the losses of those two guys? You know what? It's kind of hard to say. I, I Like, there's a camp here in Philadelphia that wants Nick Sirianni fired. I don't know how I feel about that. I know, I know this business. I'm not a dummy. You know, you look at what's going on potentially in Dallas and what they're talking about with Mike McCarthy and the guy that's won 12 games in a season and for the last three seasons. I'm not a dummy. I know how this works. But there was a disconnect somewhere between the quarterback and the coach that I, I, I don't know if the answer is to fire the coach. Now, I know that the, the coordinators, I don't think neither one of those guys is going to be here. But I don't know if I'm sold on firing Nick Sirianni because he's done some pretty good things in the NFL. Like I said, I'm not a dummy. I know how this game works. But you're basically hitting, if you fire Sirianni in this situation, you're basically hitting a hard reset button. I don't know if it's a hard reset because this core, they have a lot of talent. Like, I don't think talent is necessarily the issue. Obviously, you could fine-tune some things. I think it comes down to a leadership perspective. And, you know, and that's basically. Yeah, that's basically what I'm talking about. When you when I say hard reset, I'm saying if you get another coach in here, he's he's going to implement his philosophy. He's bringing in his people, and then you have another year of of resetting what your what gotcha. your what your um your goals are, like how you want to run your offense and things of that nature. That's why I'm like I'm not too sure if Coach Sirianni is the by firing him is the answer. That's what I mean by hard reset. Gotcha. Hugh Douglas here with us. The biggest reason why I would fire him is no matter if the players like him or not, they quit on some capacity on the head coach this year, even though they'll tell you they love the coach. And I understand now, right, the my way or the highway approach doesn't work, but there's a difference in being a player's coach and then being a doormat. And it felt like this year, especially the final six, seven games, Sirianni became a doormat for these players. Yeah, there's no, like, like those words are just so strong. <laughs> I don't know, Zach. But they're true, you. They're no, true. No. This stuff drives but me Zach. crazy today because it's one thing to, to be bad and not to reach where you're supposed to go. It's another thing to just quit, especially in that city. You know that city Zach, quitting yeah, is not Zach. acceptable. You you know what it is, Zach. What I like, because I had a, I have a chance all the time to talk to a lot of these players. And to a man, when you look them in the face, they will tell you that that they feel that they're a good football team and, and that they've played hard and, and that they believe in Coach Sirianni. But the proof ain't in the pudding because we see it every week. They go out there on the field and they lay stinky turds. And you look at it and you're wondering to yourself, you're like, how can you go out there week in and week out, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and make the same mistakes week in and week out? You had people running free in the secondary uncontested for weeks. So I, I get exactly what you're saying. It's just that, to your point, when you hear – you say that about the city of Philadelphia and guys giving up. It just doesn't matter. That math is not mathing for me. It really is. The other thing, too, and this probably has to just make you crazy as a defensive player, being the great defensive player that Hugh Douglas was, I've never seen tackling as bad as this. Oh, man, listen. When I, when I tell you I've had former teammates of mine, we were texting back and forth. We've been t- talking all day, and, and they're, they're so upset with what they were seeing on the field, it's ridiculous. I'm talking about from defensive linemen to secondary players. It's called want to. A friend of mine coined that phrase a long time ago. It's called want to. And a lot of these guys did not want to tackle anybody yesterday. I don't care how you want to talk about it and people talk about saving themselves and things of that nature. 
Nobody wanted to make a tackle yesterday in a playoff game. It's ridiculous. That was the only team that I saw yesterday that looked like the Philadelphia Eagles, that is, that looked like they really didn't want to be in the playoffs. That's ridiculous to me. It absolutely is. And the other thing, too, like, right, you have to do this each and every day. So you're going to say some positive things. You're going to say some negative things. But I don't know if there's two guys that love the Eagles more than Brian Dawkins and Brian Westbrook. And to see them be critical of this team, that tells me everything I need to know about the 2023. You know what's Eagles. funny? I, I've been I've been texting with Brian Dawkins all day. And when I tell you, as soon as I answer a text, he's firing off another text talking about how disgusted he is with this team and, and how it would have been. You know, when you when you get our age, you have all this gray in your beard like that. All you get to talk about is how it used to be back in my day and what we would have done if we were in the locker room. Unfortunately, we're not. And it's a different day and age. And to see this, man, it's it's just tough. Seth Joyner, everybody that I talk to, I agree. Guys that see this, this is not Eagles football. No question about it. And not only that, but you also continue to look at this. You see guys do things that are out of character that speaks to really the incompetence that happened behind the scenes. Like, I've known Hassan Reddick before anyone knew who Hassan Reddick was since, since I attended Temple University. Devontae Smith is one of the, the best teammates that there is as well. To see both of those guys have blowups on the sidelines at the coaching staff, you know, I don't think anyone should be surprised with what happened in Tampa Bay uh, when that was happening towards the end of the season. Yeah, and you know what the funny thing is? We were told for weeks that, that this team was going to get it together. And, and unfortunately, it did happen that way. And, and even I drank the Kool-Aid. I believe, you know, being in Philadelphia, being a part of this city for as long as I've been, that they were going to find some way to turn it around. But unfortunately, that was not the case. And that's where we are. Like, I don't know, honestly, if firing Coach Sirianni is the answer, but you make some very, very valid points. And like I said, when we started this, I know how this business works. And if the team is not responding to the coach, then you have to take drastic measures. But there was also some rumblings about the quarterback and his his interactions with some of the guys on the sideline as well. So I, I don't know what the correct answer is. I think the best thing to do in this situation is let cooler heads prevail and give it a couple days. But you know what, Zach, the unfortunate thing about all this, we got a bunch of hot coaches out there, yeah. man, some sexy coaches that everybody wants to get a, get a conversation with and have an interview with. So you can't wait too long before you decide to make a decision. Let me get to those coaches in just a second, but I want to circle back on what you said regarding Jalen Hurts. I was blown away by his leadership last year. By the times I was in that locker room, you could tell that he was the heartbeat of this team. There were so many times this year, he was just sitting there on the sidelines looking like he was sulking. You had players yelling at him. What needs to change just with the leadership style of Jalen Hurts, in your opinion? You, you know what? I think this is where it gets a little difficult for me because Jalen Hurts had an interview yesterday where he talked about some about this wasn't our year and anything like that. Jalen Hurts, since he's been here, and, and I wasn't here for the whole time when he first got here, but I followed this team from afar. And he always spoke about seizing the moment and, and taking advantage of the situation that was put in front of him. And, and to hear him talk like that yesterday and, and basically saying that it wasn't our time and it wasn't our moment, anything like that, it, it, it made me feel, it made me sad to see that and hear that because here's a guy that when you look at his whole life, his whole career, he's taken advantage of the adversity that was given to him. You know, you talk about being benched in Alabama, not crying about that, and coming back and being the resilient player that he is. Went to Oklahoma, 
same thing, got drafted second, got paid $250 million. So when I hear him say stuff like that, it's just disheartening because it's one of those things where that has not been his mantra since I've known him to be a professional quarterback. So, you know, he was always a guy that that, that kind of uh, – he was the aggressor. He conceded yesterday when he said he said that it was one of those things where, you know, we had crumbs or whatever, whatever he said. I'm paraphrasing here and that it wasn't our time. So to see him on the sideline, he doesn't need to be a rah-rah leader for me. He doesn't have to get in everybody's face and give new rockney speeches or anything like that. But you have to be more engaged. You have to look like you care. I know he cares. I, I, I think he cares because he's been selling me that for the last couple of years. I just think that somewhere along the line, there was a disconnect and they need to figure it out. I think in this locker room right now, there needs to be some hard conversations that need to be had. Obviously not. They're not going to be had because, you know, everybody's doing exit interviews. But but moving forward, there has to be some accountability in that locker room. Well, let me ask you this. If you're saying, right, we know Hertz is not going anywhere with the contract, nor should he. If you're saying you, you're more leaning towards bringing back Sirianni, Outside of just addressing whatever problems going on in the locker room, you playing the game, you having your experience, knowing what it takes in this league, what would your biggest piece of advice and your biggest message to be also understanding this city to this Eagles core and this Eagles group that's still trying to go get a championship down the road? Accountability. That's the one thing that I feel was a staple when I played with the Philadelphia Eagles was that we, we held each other accountable. And sometimes, even with my friends today, you have to have hard conversations. Can't have a lot of yes men around you. Sometimes you have to be told the truth about yourself, even if you don't want to hear it. And if that's the case, that goes for for Coach Sirianni, that goes for Jalen Hurts, and anybody else who's not rowing in the same direction that the Philadelphia Eagles want to row in. You have to have some hard conversations sometimes, man. You have to take a look at yourself, the man in the mirror, and figure out how to get it done. Because if you're like all year long, we talked about how this team felt like they were a team of destiny. I heard the quarterback say it every week about how his his whole mantra and his whole drive was to get back to the Super Bowl. Well, if that's the case, then you should be able to, to have a conversation with somebody. Hey, if, if you're not doing it the right way or the right way that works best for us, then if you're serious about making it to the Super Bowl, then you have that conversation and you correct it. Simple as that. That's how I look at it. Let's say they do move on from Nick Sirianni. You got Belichick available, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, Jim Harbaugh. Who do you want to see to be the next head coach of this team? You know, it's funny that you asked me this question because my, my partner, Joe Giglio, he has his list already of the coaches that he wants. And Coach Belichick is at the top. Like, I like Coach Belichick. Coach Belichick was a coach when I was in, in uh, New York Jets with the New York Jets for a small time. Uh, I think he's a little bit older. No disrespect to the old old heads out there because I'm one of them. No disrespect. But I think that it's important to have a coach that connects with your football team and, and, and has not so big of a generational gap. So I'm thinking I'm leaning more towards like a Mike Vrabel or Jim Harbaugh. I'm thinking Jim. Jim is Jim is the tie at the top of my list. I don't know how Jim would work with Howie. That's my one concern. Now, Vrabel has had some concerns working with general managers, I guess, as well. Uh, the last two years, but I think Vrabel would be the best fit for Philadelphia because I think he's the perfect mix of a guy that is considered a player's coach right now, but he won't be a doormat like Sirianni and to hold that accountability in the locker room. Yeah, it, it's that's the thing that I think that we're looking at right now because it feels to me, because you keep saying it, <laughs> that that Coach Sirianni's uh, 
his reputation around the league right now, it ain't the greatest. No. It's not the greatest. So Changes a lot I in one year. It, <laughs> <laughs> Last year he was on top so, of the world. Now he's the biggest dope. <laughs> man, I tell you, that that hey, that's a long way to fall, brother. I'm here to tell you. But uh, I would think between the two, and plus, Coach Rabel is the guy that likes to run the football. I think if you want to help fix Jalen, because that's what we're talking about now, Every every running a, a good running game is every quarterback's best friend. So with the skill set that Jalen has and the way that he's matured at the first half of the season, I'm willing to take a chance on Coach Vrabel or or Coach Harbaugh. By the way, Hugh, it doesn't take much for for like it takes a lot actually for me to like rip a team like this. But it, it's no, a, I hear you. It, it's a simple <laughs> thing. Like, there's just some certain things that are so obvious. And I'm never going to pretend like I know how to call plays or anything like that. But their approach on offense this year. How many times last night am I going to see a screen pass? And then, Hugh, they get to third and two and they want to throw the ball 40 yards downfield? That's the time you should run the screen pass. I, I watch the game most of the time, not this year. But I watch the game from a defensive perspective. I like to watch the line play, but I'm with you. Sometimes watching this offense play, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Like, what, what, like the, the plays had no fluidity. They, they didn't mesh very, very well. And sometimes you would see like in the Giants game a couple weeks ago, they started the game that had two great one, runs by Kenny Gainwell. Then they dropped back and try to heave the ball 50 yards down the field. I didn't understand that. But like you said, I'm not I'm not an offensive coordinator. I, I but I know enough about offense to know that a lot of plays have to look similar in order to try to fool the defense because that's basically what we're talking about. Let's we're be real. You, you you would be laughing as a defensive player. You'd be laughing going up against these this Eagles offense. You you'd be licking your yeah, chops. It's a, little, it's a little simplistic. I've heard stories of guys saying that that teams have come up to the line of scrimmage. And they know the the Eagles formations, and they call out the plays right before they run. So yeah, it's it's it was a little it was a little uh, preschool. Yeah. Last thing I'll ask you, Hugh Douglas, when you, you you take a look back at this season and you you discuss AJ Brown, what's the truth with him? We hear nine thousand things with AJ Brown. What's AJ Brown's biggest gripe in your opinion? I would say he's misunderstood. See, Zach, it's easy because we've seen so many examples of. Diva receivers, malcontent receivers, it's easy to try to lump him into that. I, I think he's a passionate player. I think that a lot of times he's misunderstood with his passion. But I'll take a receiver of that caliber anytime. You know, I played with T.O. Yeah. And historically, you know, famously, people think that me and T.O. can't stand each other. <laughs> me and T.O. are good. We are good. Even though he he misremembered this story in the locker room, that's yeah. fine with me. Me and T.O. are fine, man, but I would play with a guy like that any day. So you didn't any, kick his any, ass any, in the locker room? No, see, it didn't even happen. See, Zach, there you go. It didn't even happen like that, man. It didn't even happen like that. Well, Hugh, I uh, really appreciate you doing this. Nothing but love uh, for you and your family. Uh, thanks so much for doing this today. Much appreciated. Hey, no problem, man. Appreciate you. There you go. The great Hugh Douglas. Excellent, excellent performance on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll take a timeout. We'll continue the biggest story of the day. Big decisions in Dallas, big decisions in Philadelphia. Will McCarthy, will Sirianni survive? We'll take a timeout. Update time first. Here is the Ackman, Rich Ackerman. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck at a timeshare and want out, contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. You can always listen to us across one of your great local CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, the free Odyssey app, and also on YouTube.com where we're streaming, YouTube.com slash CBS Sports Radio. And there's a good conversation going on right now in the chat. What's the most embarrassing loss from Wild Card Weekend? Is it the Browns just getting blown out by the Texans? Is it the Philadelphia Eagles just quitting and being embarrassing up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Or is it the Dallas Cowboys letting a young phenom in his first ever playoff start and in his first true season as a starting quarterback in the NFL, Jordan Love, come into your house, win the toss, and I find it funny that the Packers, they, they win the toss of the whole Jair Alexander controversy from a few weeks ago. And they take the ball and they just shove it down your throat and making that game pretty much over at halftime. I excuse the Browns because it was so improbable what they did this year. Like whatever happened with the Browns in the playoffs was going to be gravy. Uh, when you lose Nick Chubb, you lose Deshaun Watson for the season. You knew eventually there was an expiration date on elite Joe Flacco and you were all the offensive line injuries. Like, I'll give the Browns a pass. The conversation really comes down to the Eagles or the Cowboys. And when I look at the Cowboys, and you know how much I can't stand the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think their loss was as embarrassing as the Eagles. Because the Cowboys just had a team come into their house that had nothing to lose. And they were just more aggressive than, than, the, than the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. And that team just got pressure, and they saw their shadow for the last two previous years, and they were like, uh-oh, here it comes again. But I don't think it was a lack of effort or heart with the Cowboys. The Cowboys were embarrassing for a bunch of different ways. And quite frankly, they were overrated for most of this. Like any Cowboy fan that called me up and said, Oh, we have a great team. Oh, we're going to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I have a bridge to sell for you, too. We'll, we'll talk after the show. But with the Eagles, they were 10-1. and one. The Eagles were in a Super Bowl last year. The Eagles were up by 10 against the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the next year, yeah, you had changes at your offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. But the actual roster was pretty similar. You lost uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. You lost Javon Hargrave. 
but you still had your main pieces. Like Miles Sanders did nothing in Carolina this year because you didn't really need him. You know, was, the running back in Philly is more of a product of the offensive line and the system. But to see that team going into the Niners game, even with them not blowing out opponents, but they were 10-1, and one, to see what transpired after that, it's not a lack of talent. It's not that this team wasn't good enough. It's that there were so many problems and so many egos in the locker room and such a disconnect with the coaching staff and the coordinators that instead of fighting and finding a way to turn this season around after losing to the 49ers, not even losing the 49ers, got emasculated by the 49ers. We should have known that there were big problems in Philadelphia the following week where you got emasculated again by the Dallas Cowboys. And then you allow a 92-yard drive to Drew Locke. You lose a game at the end of the season to the Giants. You lose, Like, I picked the Cardinals to cover the 12 points, but I said, Eagles can't be a 12-point favorite against anybody. I didn't think the Cardinals were going to win the game outright. You let Jonathan Gannon go into your house and say, bleep you to Philadelphia? That team just had no heart. Team had no guts. Team was a bunch of quitters. And that's why, to me, it's an effort issue. Like, there's a lot of people that you work with or a lot of people that you encounter in life where they may not be successful. They may not do what you ask them to do and accomplish what they do. And I'm not saying, hey, just live in a participation society where someone has effort and you hand them out a trophy. But if you can't accomplish a goal, it better not be because you didn't try your best. And that's my problem with the Eagles. They quit. They tapped out. They booked their reservations probably for their vacation for this week because they knew their season was over. And that's what drives me nuts. It drives me nuts that this Eagles team in a tough city like that and a fan base that you may think they're crazy, but they just want accountability. They just want their players to reach a certain standard. That team not only let the season get away in the final seven games, let it go right down the drain. They let it go right down the drain in a snap of a finger. I said earlier it was a grotesque performance. It really was. Like, that was appalling to watch that game. You know, it was six minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was snowing in New York City. I had about a 10-minute walk home. I said to my buddy that uh, had us over his house to watch the game, um, and he made some bolognese with some great garlic bread and had some uh, kale Caesar salad as well. I was like, oh, I'm going to start to get going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. There's six minutes left. This game's been over for about two hours. He's like, nope, got to sit there and watch the end of the game. So I was like, all right, I'll sit there and watch the end of the game. And that's a passionate Eagle fan that I know. Diehard Eagles fan. And he was negative from the start because he knew. He knew that this team was embarrassing. But you have fans that didn't quit on this team. They just told you the truth about this team. The Eagles players, they quit. And that's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Now it's all eyes on uh, Jerry's world and all eyes on uh, Jeffrey Lurie in the uh, city of brotherly love. And I thought it was hysterical last night how they showed the Liberty Bell. On the 10 and 1 start. And then boom, down the stretch, 1 and 6, they come and you put the crack in the Liberty Bell. Whoever thought of that at ESPN, you deserve a raise. You may not have it, they may not have any more money at ESPN with how much they pay McAfee. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they have any, any, any more money to go around uh, to give that person a raise. But uh, geez Louise, whoever thought of that idea, very brilliant.
But now all eyes are on Jeffrey Lurie and on Jerry Jones. Will either owner, who both have a head coach in McCarthy that has had a lot of regular season success in Dallas, Sirianni, three years, three playoff performances, a Super Bowl trip, which owner's going to blink first? And I think it's okay doing some behind-the-scenes digging. If we get rid of McCarthy, if we get rid of Sirianni, do we have a name lined up? And there's four attractive names out there. Belichick, Harbaugh, Carroll, Vrabel. Who are you going to actually get, though? But regardless if you know or not who you're going to get, and if you have it pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered, it doesn't make sense to bring either back regardless. Because for McCarthy, he's got to go because they lost in the wild card round. This was supposed to be the year that the Cowboys, right? I'm not saying Super Bowl, but when you look at the field, it was like, oh, they actually got a chance to get to the NFC title game. And I always told you they were going to be the drama Dallas choking Cowboys, and they would bow out eventually and choke out eventually. But they didn't even get to the second weekend. But for Philadelphia, Super Bowl aspirations, legitimate Super Bowl aspirations, a 10-1 start after losing a Super Bowl, that's ridiculous. And you're out wild card weekend against Baker Mayfield, Todd Bowles, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh, you got to get rid of the coach. Because I'll say it for the 9,000th time today, Sirianni's a doormat. He's a player's coach, but he's a doormat. You could be a player's coach, but not be a doormat. Sirianni is a doormat. And you got to, Vrabel would, I, I would say Vrabel should be the target in Philadelphia. And for the Cowboys, Belichick. You say, I get to make two hires. Cowboys, Belichick. Vrabel, Eagles. That's what needs to happen. But we'll see how it plays out. Will Jeffrey Lurie have the guts to get rid of Nick Sirianni? And will McCarthy get loyalty from Jerry Jones? It's an easy decision, guys. We're waiting. Time's ticking away. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 